1: Hello, and welcome to the Art of Decluttering podcast. I'm your host, Amy Ravel. I am a professional organizer, decluttering, and organizing expert, and I own the art of decluttering. I get to lead the most amazing team, um, and I've been your podcast host for nearly six years, would you believe? We've just come out of an ADHD series, and I've been waiting to speak about today's episode, about object permanence. I've been waiting for a couple of weeks because I've been ruminating on it and thinking, oh my goodness, this has so much relevance to the work that we do with our clients and to conversations I have with people. And I really do think it's a great flow on effect, having come out of the ADHD series, which so many of you have said was brilliant, even if you had no one in your world with ADHD, or at least you didn't know anyone in your world with ADHD. And so object permanence. Permanence is what we're going to talk about today. A Swiss psychologist, let me see if I can pronounce his name right, Jean Piaget, um, kind of discovered this idea of object permanence and really studied it in relation to babies. I remember in year 11 psychology and health and human development, we learned about this concept of object permanence. And if you think of a really young child, if mum leaves the room, Baby gets really upset because if mum's left the room, baby has no concept that mum still exists. And so if you take a toy away from them or if you take their bottle away from them, there's kind of no ability to forecast that that thing hasn't left. It's just gone out of my sight, out of my hearing. And so the definition of object permanence is the ability to understand that an object continues to exist even though it can no longer be seen, heard or touched. I'm going to say that again for you. Object permanence is the ability to understand that an object continues to exist even though it can no longer be seen, heard, or touched. And I just had my mind blown when I started to reconsider this year 11 topic in relation to decluttering, organizing, how people work in their homes, and how our relationship with stuff is so much more complicated than just the stuff. So object permanence may affect you if you lose things really often. You might find that you put down your phone and <clears throat> you might find that you put down your phone and then you can't find it, or you forget about a task or an activity or an appointment or a meeting or picking your kids up from school. Or maybe you're in conversation and you're just really easily distracted by people. You might be easily distracted by your own thoughts, by other items that you see, or other tasks that you need to do. And object permanence, if you think about it in terms of the items in your house, it's very, very simplified. It's a sense of out of sight, out of mind. And it's once it's out of your sight, once you can't see it, once you can't touch it, once you can't hear it, you kind of forget that it exists. And I think that this really plays into our relationship with stuff in so many ways. I think that when we put everything in cupboards, and we kind of hide the clutter. We have a sense of object permanence, where or a lack of object permanence, where we forget that we have it. I find in, even in my own home, and and object permanence is a big thing for me. Not sure how related it is to my ADHD. I know that a lot of ADHDers struggle with it. But the other day, I was going through cupboards in our lounge room, and we've got like kind of a TV unity thing. And we don't have, a like there's lots of empty, cup, like empty cupboard doors and drawers in there because we just don't have a lot of stuff. But I went through it the other day and I kept going, oh, I totally forgot we had this like four times. And it's because for me, it was out of sight. And because I couldn't see it, because I couldn't hear it, because I couldn't touch it, I'd just totally forgotten that it even existed. I find it play out in things like when I put food in the oven, because I've put it into the oven and then I walk away and I'm distracted with something, I forget that that object even exists until I smell smoke. And actually one of the ways that I've gotten around my lack of object permanence when it comes to the kitchen is I use a countertop air fryer. And so it's got a timer, and when the timer goes off, it turns off, whereas like the oven, the timer might go off, but my oven stays on and so I burn my food. At least this way, when I use the air fryer, it just turns off, so either... I have to get up and put it back on for a period of time. or Worst case scenario, I just eat it cold or I just forget about it and, you know, it's not burnt and so it's fine. And so, you know, you can think about do you walk into the house or are you always saying, oh, where are my glasses? I've put my phone down. Can someone call my phone? I've put my phone down. I can't find where it is. And you might have that sense of losing track of an item, losing consciousness of the location or the existence of an item, just because you've actually like stopped seeing it and so I think that it comes into play in a few different ways it comes into play in a decluttering sense is that we keep things that we do not need simply because we kind of forgot we had them and so until you intentionally go and pull things out of a cupboard pull things out of the garage go into the roof go to your storage unit you're going to forget that you even had these items and it's really common when I'm working with clients that they say oh, I forgot I owned that. That, And then they say, oh, that can definitely go because it's not that there's this relationship with it. They've just completely forgot. Or, oh my goodness, I forgot I owned that. I'm going to wear that tonight. I'm going to use that to cook dinner in. I'm going to give that to someone. So there's like an action out of it. But the, the forgetfulness has nothing to do with the value placed on the item. And so I think this happens a lot is when people are out at the shops and you see something like, oh, I really need a lemon squeezer. And you get home and you're like, oh, turns out I already had one because it was maybe at the back of the drawer. And so because you hadn't seen it, you bought a second one because object permanence had kind of failed to engage in your mind. And you can see it, evidence there's people leaving things all over the place. You might say to people in your family, like, why can't you just put things away? Or you're not going to need that for another two days. Why are you leaving it on the kitchen table? Or why is it on the bench? Or why is it on the floor in your bedroom? I know for Cal, the way that he manages object permanence is each night before he goes out to work, he puts everything he needs for the following day blocking our front door. And that's his way of not forgetting things because otherwise in the the hurry of getting getting ready in the morning, he might grab his lunch, he might have a travel coffee, he might have his laptop, but he'll forget the folder of notes that he needs for a group he's running or he'll forget his phone or so he puts it all in front of the door. And so as soon as he goes to leave in the morning, there they are. They're right there. He can see them and he doesn't forget them. One of the ways that I realised as I learnt about object permanence is that our family manages it, is we have that returns box, which you've probably heard me talk about. But it's it's a cube storage near our front of our door, And we've got one box in there. And that's where things that I need to return to people go. Because if I just have them somewhere in the house, I'm going to forget them. But what really works is when I'm leaving the house to go anywhere, I pull open the returns box, have a quick look. Is there anything in there that I need to give to someone? And I grab it. And so just by the fact of having it in one location and being in the habit of looking brings those objects back to mind. And then I can do the thing that I need to do with it. And so like there's lots of neurodiverse brains that find object permanence really difficult and although it's not something that can be diagnosed it's not a medical symptom it's not a medical diagnosis I'm sure that many of you are going oh yeah that's exactly what I have that's exactly what my kids have I can totally see how this plays out in my family and you're going okay So what are we going to do about object permanence so that it doesn't just derail us all the time? And I'm going to share some points on that when we come back from a quick break.
0: Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
1: When I'm working with clients, some of the things that they will say is, I can't put everything away. I can't hide everything away or I will just forget that I own them. I'll forget to use them. Like, yes, Amy, it's great that you're telling me, oh, you could put your toaster in a cupboard after you've used it. But if I do that, I'm never going to have toast again because I'm going to forget that I even own that. And so you will see in some houses there's a lot more things on display and in some other houses everything's put away because obviously object permanence in that home is not a big issue. But in some homes, they've got to have the toaster, the kettle, the coffee bean grinder, the coffee machine, everything has to be out. And that the reason is like they say, oh, but I use that every day. Now, some people say, oh, yeah, so what if you use it every day? It takes you six seconds to put it back in a drawer. And they're like, yeah, but it's not just about putting it back in the drawer. This is not an act of laziness in leaving it out. It's actually an act of Triggering my own mind. How am I going to remember to take this thing, do that thing? And so when it comes to like tricks that you can do with organization is if you have clear storage. So I find clear storage great in some areas of the house. In our fridge, freezer, in our pantry, I'm clear storage all the way. Otherwise food goes off. So if food is kept in our fridge, in an opaque container or a colored container, that food is highly likely to rot and need to be thrown out. So what we do is we use clear containers right through the freezer too. I used to find when we first got married and we like moved out of home and we had things in the freezer, they would often be in containers that were not clear. And then it would just be in there for a year and then I wouldn't know what it was and I'd think, oh my goodness, what if it's meat and it's gone off and and I'd throw it out. Whereas now I use clear containers only in the freezer And food doesn't get thrown out and it's the same for the food in our pantry. I need to be able to see those things otherwise I'm not going to know they exist. Another way that I work around object permanence in my bathroom for instance is I don't want everything out on the bench but what I do have is open basket storage containers so behind the cupboard doors if you open up the cupboard doors, you can see everything. There's like, here's the soaps, here's the spare toothbrushes, here's the makeup, here's the hair products. And so I use them and I remember them and I can see where they are because it's just one step. Just open that door and you can see everything. What I couldn't do, what wouldn't work for me is if I had lovely, like white containers with lids, even if they had labels on and it said hair care, I would forget to use it. I would forget that it existed. I would think, oh, no, I can't remember what's in there, so I'm not going to use it. Whereas having it visible and easy to access for me works really, really well. Another area that object permanence, um, you can kind of create a hack is around medications. If you find that you're forever forgetting to take your vitamins or take a medication that you're meant to take each morning, put it somewhere where you're going to see it, where you're going to almost have to like move it to get to the thing you want. Maybe each night you put it on top of the coffee machine because you know that you're going to have a coffee before you go to work or get started for the day. You know, for me, it's on my bedside table it's in my drawer so all I have to do is open up my drawer and there's an open container with so this is how I do my medications because again object permanence I want to remove every barrier for me to be able to do the thing so when I get a box of medication so I take um, a lot of Zyrtec because I get a lot of hay fever is I open up my bedside drawer and there's a container that has my medication in it. Now, the boxes are kind of all in there lined up. But what I do is I rip off the top of every single box of medication that I get. So all I have to do is like put my hand in and pull out the sleeve of medication. I'm removing that extra step. I'm removing the step of like, oh, there's a lid. How many are in there? When am I due to get another one? So I'm removing every step that I can. Another run around medication is my children know if they run out of a medication, don't just say, "Hey mum, I need my asthma puffer. Don't tell me that. I will forget that because I don't see the asthma puffer. I can't. There's, there's no kind of um, uh, like anchor for me to remember it in my brain. So my kids know they either put the empty packet or the empty puffer on my desk and they don't have to say anything. I just know oh, the kids have put a empty box of medication on my desk. That's my trigger to go and get a script filled. And so even though it might be messy and even though it's more efficient for them to say, message me or email me or tell me or write it on my to-do list, having the box there, yes, it's messier, but it's creating a permanence to the object. And it means that I'm much more likely to remember to do it. And so like there's so many examples that you might be able to think of, you know, you're hearing me say things, you're like, "Actually, yeah, that makes sense." And when it comes to that decluttering side of things, you actually need to pull everything out of a cupboard and go through it and see it and touch it so that you can make decisions. Now, where object permanence and having a, a struggle with it can be really good is when you're trying to get rid of things. But you're feeling attached or you're feeling like it's really hard to get rid of things. So a couple of examples. I was um, talking to a friend once and we'd just gotten back from holidaying together. And she had like, absolutely loved the experience of being on holidays. And the cabin that we were staying in only had enough crockery and cutlery and glassware for six people. And she absolutely loved it because she said it just meant that we had to do a quick load of dishes after every meal. And at home, you know, we don't have to and so it builds up and then it's overwhelming and there's just glasses everywhere and plates and knives and all of that. It's just, it's too much. And so when she got home, rather than just decluttering everything other than six of each item, what she did is she got a container, she put all of the excess in the container and slid it under a bed. Now, the object permanence rule in there is it was out of sight, out of mind. And so she'd put it far enough away that it was quite an effort to remember that there was extra knives in there to go and get it. It was probably just quicker to do a quick load of washing. And so then once it was removed, there's that bit of distance and she could actually go, yeah, you're right, I actually don't need all of those things. Pull it out, look at it and go, yep, I'm happy to donate it. Another way that it can work really well is if you've got young children and you're wanting to kind of do toy rotation. And it can be great because you can put toys away in a cupboard where they can't see them and more often than not, they will forget they even own them. And then what you can do is every couple of months or every couple of weeks is you can do a toy swap. And so you take some toys that have been out and been played with and been enjoyed, you can put those away and bring out some toys that you've put away for later. And so you do this swap and it's like, oh man, I forgot I even owned this train set. And it's exciting for kids And so you're not then constantly feeling like I have to go and buy toys in order for them to, you know, rediscover how to play with something or to pique their curiosity so that they'll try something new or try a make believe game. Actually using this object permanence by putting it away, taking it out of sight, you're not like decluttering it, you know, in stealth mode (laughs) and getting rid of it, but you are using this object permanence to your advantage. And so I just wanted to come in and kind of whet your appetite for our relationship with stuff. Um, I also have been thinking just a little bit about how sometimes when we have a really strong object permanence, even once we've decluttered it, even once we've had to throw it out because it broke, there can still be a little part of us that are really tied to that item and it can be quite strange. I'll have clients say, I still can't, I can't stop thinking about that baseball hat or baseball cap that we got rid of in the first session of when I ever saw you and it had rips in it and it was stained and we got rid of it and we should have got rid of it, but I can't stop thinking about it. Maybe I should have kept it. And actually like, it's a really good process to go like, what's going on there? And the reality is you just have a really strong object permanence to that item for whatever reason. And so it can be tricky. But it can also, you know, I'm just giving you every, every angle of this object permanence is it can also be amazing because you can get rid of things, but not necessarily get rid of the memories. So you might be able to get rid of something like your address that you loved wearing. And you're like, I'm just never going to wear that again. I can get rid of it. But if you've got strong object permanence, you're going to retain those memories and those feelings towards the item, even though it's gone. And again, on the flip side You might be scared that if you get rid of it, you're going to forget that it ever existed. And so there are some tools like take a photo, just take a photo of it or, you know, write it down somewhere or find an event that you went to and like there's, there's other ways tell a story about a time when you were wearing that dress. So there are other ways of kind of triggering that emotional relationship, but also breaking it. It's so good. I hope that I haven't like driven you round the bend, trying to give you all the different ways that object permanence can be an advantage, can be a disadvantage, can work for your favour and against your favour. I hope that it has been helpful. If you're ever like wandering around in life and you think, oh my goodness, I would love to hear how this particular, you know, psychological theory interacts with decluttering and organising, or I'd love to hear how this could relate to what Amy talks about, send me a message DM me on Insta, send me a Facebook message, send me an email, hello at the of decluttering.com.au. I would absolutely love to hear because I, I find these really fascinating to talk about um, and I know that it's helpful for you guys because you guys keep telling me how these episodes just make you think and make you ponder and make you look at things in a different way. So that's object permanence. Thank you to what was his name? Jean Piaget our swiss psychologist who um really examined this theory of object permanence have an amazing week don't forget to rate and review the show in apple podcasts or even just come over into the facebook group and encourage others we've got like 120 odd thousand people in there and lots of them don't even know that there is a podcast that hosts that group so it would be awesome if you came in and let them know share an episode share an aha moment and I look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, enjoy the freedom. I would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people who are the traditional custodians of the land this podcast is recorded on. I would also like to pay respects to their elders, both past and present of the Kulin Nation and extend that respect to other Indigenous Australians. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love you to rate and review the show on your podcast app. That will help others to find the Art of Decluttering podcast as well. If you'd like any more information, you can visit theartofdecluttering.com.au and I would love to see you in my Facebook group. Just search the Art of Decluttering community on Facebook and join today. I hope that you have an incredible rest of your day and enjoy the freedom.